Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Really in this back and forth of conversation, kids are developing so many different skills. So developing things like their empathy, their creativity, their confidence, um, and really who they are as people. So they're actually shaping them, their senses of themselves in conversation. And so really by having strategies to enhance your conversations, you're not only building your relationship with your kids and building their vocabulary, but really actually building skills in so many of these areas that will help them thrive in the long term. Hey, friends. Welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I'm Chris Dovniak, your host. And have you ever felt like you go through your days and your weeks talking to your kids constantly? We ask them to get dressed. We ask them to pick their clothes up off the floor. We ask them what they want for breakfast, if they remember their homework, how they like their school lunch, how their school day was. But we never really seem to get into deep conversations with them. Today's guest believes that having meaningful conversations with kids is one of the best ways to connect deeply with them, to build their confidence, kindness, and creativity, and that there are some simple strategies you can use to better connect with your kids and have more rich talk, deeper conversations with our kids. Today's conversation is with Rebecca Rowland. Rebecca is a lecturer at the Harvard Graduate School of Education and is on the faculty at the Harvard Medical School. She also serves as an oral and written language specialist in the neurology department of Boston Children's Hospital and as an advisor in curriculum development for the World Bank. 
As a nationally certified speech-language pathologist, she has worked clinically with populations ranging from early childhood through high school and has provided teacher professional development. She lives in Boston with her husband and two conversation-loving kids. Today, we had so much fun having a conversation all about conversation. We talked about why so many parents are missing out on having those deep conversations with their kids, just going through the day-to-day life, having those functional conversations, and what we can do to start to deepen our conversations with our kids, and why it's important to have deep conversations with our kids. Rebecca gives us some really awesome practical strategies for how we can start to transform our everyday conversations into conversations that go a little bit deeper so we can better engage with our kids. We can learn more about our kids' interests. We can help our kids learn more about the world and develop a deeper relationship with our kids through it all. I had such a fantastic time talking to Rebecca. I love her brand new book, The Art of Talking with Children, and I'm so sure this episode is going to be so helpful for every single one of you listening. Have deeper and more meaningful conversations with your kids. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Rebecca. Welcome, Rebecca. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Oh my goodness. I am so excited to chat with you about talking to our kids, especially as someone who loves a good conversation. Clearly as a podcaster, I love having a good conversation. Um, But before we dive in, I love to ask all of my guests a fun little icebreaker. So what are you reading these days? Yeah. So actually I've been reading a lot of fiction. So I was immersed in the world of parenting research for so long and now I'm just taking a little bit of a break. So I actually read Cloud Cuckoo Land by Anthony Doerr. And I don't know if you know it, but it's just a really fascinating look at multiple generations, all about the love of books and libraries. So um, it's a really great book if you're interested in fiction. And uh, yeah, and I've actually just enjoyed broadening and getting out into other genres as well. Oh, I love that. I love fiction and I haven't read that one. So I will have to check that out because I, I'm very much, I like to have like one fiction book going and one nonfiction book going, usually something I'm reading for the podcast. Um, but I love to kind of escape into fiction, which is why this is one of my favorite questions to ask my guests. I mean, I love talking about the topics, but it's fun to ask this question to get new recommendations and to hear what they're reading as well, especially for, for the authors who, um, who are my guests. So I already shared your impressive bio with my listeners, but I would love to just have you start by sharing your story. So where did your passion for speech and language come from? Yeah, so it's actually interesting because from a young age, I started out with poetry, actually. So I started out in high school, even loving language, loving poetry, just reading a ton And as I grew up, I started getting much more into teaching. So I became very interested in not only teaching poetry, but then teaching kids, um, some of whom had learning disabilities and some of whom didn't, and just really starting to reach out and figure out how can I help them. And what I realized is that, especially as I met a lot of kids with speech and language difficulties, I realized how important conversation was to their senses of themselves to their skills, just to who they were as people um, and language, how fundamental that is to our lives. Um, and so it actually came from a love of language that brought me all the way, um, you know, to kind of thinking about 
how language plays a role in all of our lives. And then actually I became a parent (laughs) and that really made it hit home for me. So I actually got to see the language and conversation developing from day one. And I was just fascinated, not just by their development, but by how I changed as a person, as I talked to my kids. So really that interaction and just how kids are growing and how we grow as parents was so fascinating to me. Oh, I love that so much. And, you know, as you're sharing, it's funny, I'm thinking about growing up and I was, I was the first, well, my parents' first child, and then also my grandparents' first grandchild and my aunt's first niece. I was like the first kid of the family. And Mm -hmm. I grew up with a lot of adults around me for the first um, well, several years of my life. My cousins came along, but they lived in a different state for a while. It was basically just me and a bunch of adults. And so my parents would always say that I would talk like a mini adult when I was a young child because I was, I went, eventually went to preschool, but I was around a lot of adults and I always, I've always loved to talk. Conversation has always been something that has, you know, just come naturally to me. I love having conversations and I'm thankful that my parents would, you know, they would, I don't know if they would just humor me and have little conversations with me, but I feel very much the same that once I had my own kids, my kids are eight and four now the conversations became even more just interesting and important kind of realizing, oh my goodness, these are, they're tiny humans. I think sometimes we think of kids are kids, but they're, they're small adults. Right. And so, and they have important things to say and they want to have these conversations with us. And so it's, it's so cool. And I love all of the work you're doing. So you have a book out, a new book out, the art of talking with children. And that's really what we are going to talk about today is digging into why it's so important to have, to talk with our kids and to have these conversations. So I would love for you to kind of start off. And so you have all of this, you know, educational experience. You have this experience as a parent. What is it for the listeners? What is it about talking with our kids and having really good conversations that is so important? Yes. Well, I'd love to talk about that because that's kind of the heart of what motivated this book and what continues to motivate me. And what I think is so important to realize is that the back and forth of conversations, it builds children's vocabulary skills. And we often maybe think about that, but that's only scraping the surface. So that's really just sort of the, you know, the bare minimum of what it does. So really in this back and forth of conversation, kids are developing so many different skills. So developing things like their empathy, their creativity, their confidence, um, and really who they are as people. So they're actually shaping their senses of themselves in conversation. And so really by having strategies to enhance your conversations, you're not only building your relationship with your kids and building their vocabulary, but really actually building skills in so many of these areas that will help them thrive over the long term. Mm, I love that. And I, I, it's funny because again, as a parent, I do recognize that my kids do have, I think, a more expansive vocabulary than I think I, sometimes I expect them to sometimes my, I'm trying to think of some of the words, but sometimes my four-year-old will come up with something and I'm like, wow, that sounds, yeah. uh, it's not something I expected to come out of your mouth yeah. but it's yeah. because we talk and we have conversations as a family at dinner time, or she hears it from me and my husband. We, hear, you know, we talk exactly. to her, we've always tried to at least. And I mean, I've gotten so many, so many more tips from you on how to actually enhance these conversations. And, and we'll talk about that. Um, but I've always tried to at least talk to them like they are 
mini adults, not like they are kids or little kids. I think sometimes yeah. we, try, we kind of change our language for small children, which is sometimes appropriate. But I think that <laughs> talking to them like they are, they are they're also humans talking to them kind exactly. of like they're mini adults. I think that does yeah. help just kind of how I grew up sounding like a tiny little 40 year old when I was like three years old. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what's so important to realize is not necessarily sort of using super hard vocabulary or long sentences. So we can change kind of the, you know, the specific way we're talking to kids, but the fundamental principle of saying, well, yeah, kids are thinking about really big things. They have really big questions and not to kind of dumb it down or to feel like, oh, we're going to just ask these really simple questions. Um, there's just something really funny. It makes me think of, I have a five-year-old and a 10-year-old. And last night, actually at the dinner table, my son, who's five, was like looking up at the sky, kind of rolling his eyes back. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, I didn't know, like, does he, is he sick? Like, does he have a tick? Like, what is happening? And he was just looking like this and up, up at the sky. And he said to me, I'm trying to see if I can see my brain. <laughs> <laughs> like you're what and he's like yeah I heard my brain is in my head and I'm trying to see if I can see it oh I love it (laughs) and uh and I thought it was so funny and that let us talk a lot more about like well you know what where is your brain really and why can't anybody see their own brains and you know all of this stuff and I think if I just said like stop doing that you know or like that's or yeah you, you can't see your brain you know you really don't get the chance to explore all those things that kids are thinking about in these down moments Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's, I think that's such a simple strategy right there is that we can ask that question rather than just going, stop doing that. Like, what what is going on? But like, why are you doing that? Exactly. What are you thinking? Those conversations. And then that's, yeah, they learn from that, which I think is, yeah, it's so cool. I think one of the things that we've always tried to do with our kids is tell them it's always okay to ask why. And even though, you know, there are certain ages, I'm sure the, a lot of the moms listening can relate where it's like, why, 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 yes. why, why? And mm-hmm. it can, it can be a lot, but yeah. we try to not dismiss them in that and try to explain why. And sometimes the, there is no answer why. And we, we say that too, but yeah, I just allowing that conversation to happen and allowing them to ask those why questions does help encourage them. I think that they can continue to ask and that they can learn from our kind of everyday conversations. So exactly. And and I see that too. So I think it's actually really funny. I've been, I've read some research about this and apparently there's one study that said kids, I think of three or four year olds can ask why something like 90 something times a day. Oh <laughs> and uh, which is like, oh yeah, that's pretty exhausting. And, but actually the research also found that if you don't answer these kind of why questions, kids keep asking the same question, which you may have noticed. It's, they really yeah. think about kids are so curious. They really want answers. And so if yeah. you are kind of pushing them away and kind of saying, oh, I don't know, or we'll talk about that later, kids will keep asking. And it can feel like, oh, this is annoying. And certainly I've been there. But, uh, but really the impulse is, well, can we find out? And so not necessarily doing that with every why question, you know, that would just be exhausting, but to say, let's take one of them, you know, one per day and just say, well, let's really figure out the answer. And if you don't know, that's totally fine. You say, I don't know, let's try Mm -hmm. to figure it out. Uh, And I think that's what I really emphasize strategies in my book for feeling okay with not knowing even as the adult. 
Yes. Yeah. I found that really encouraging because that is something that I try to be really honest with my kids and tell them when I don't know something, but let's look it up. We have this wonderful exactly. tool called Google. And right. Exactly. You know, not everything you find on Google is true, but it can give us some answers to things we might not know. And so, you know, that is, I, that was really encouraging to me. It's okay to be like, no, I don't know, but we can find this out. And then, yeah, that's encouraging them to be learners and to continue that conversation kind of as they, as they grow. So exactly. I'm curious. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm curious what your thoughts are on why why having these quality conversations seems so hard these days. I know that, you know, I've explained some of these instances where we have my my kids and I have had good conversations, but there's also days where I am exhausted by the whys and I feel like we don't have any conversations. So what do you see as kind of like the bigger mistakes that parents make in having deeper conversations with their kids? Yeah. So one thing I think is that we are so often on autopilot with our kids. So we focus on how do we get from here to there? We're focused also on achievement. So how was school? How are your grades? How is, you know, all of these things. And we often miss the opportunities that are right in front of us. Um, we often, as a result, come in with our own agenda. So we think I need to tell my child X thing, or I need to get from my child X piece of information. You know, how was your class or what grade did you get? And it's not that we shouldn't have those conversations, but we shouldn't mistake them for deeper conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to say, oh, well, don't ever ask your kids how their grades were, you know, because I think that's also important to know. But sometimes we do that to the exclusion of the more relaxed and more exploratory conversations that really do build children's skills much more. Um, And so I really do try to offer strategies that are doable, but then also that take the pressure off of parents. So I think we also live in a culture where it's, you know, so much pressure to kind of be there all the time for your kids or to talk all the time with your kids. And that can just feel overwhelming. So I also offer strategies for saying, well, you know, I need to do my work right now, you know, and you actually focus on your work and allow your child to focus on something else. And then everybody puts that away and makes the time to be in person. So I recognize as a parent and a working mom that, you know, we can't be there all the time and that trying to do so is just a recipe for more guilt. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is, that is a personal struggle that I have too. When I am, I work from home, but I also have my kids home half the time and not half the time, but I have my younger daughter, my oldest daughter goes to school. My younger daughter is home. And so splitting that time between working and spending time with her and feeling that pressure of like, especially with my older daughter too, feeling the pressure that every moment she's home and she's not in school, it has to be this, like, you know, it, it has to, it has to be really, really quality. But I think it is about that quality over quantity. And when we have these conversations, really having those those deeper conversations. Um, so I love that you call it these exploratory conversations. And something you talk about in the book is you call it rich talk. So can you talk about what rich talk is and kind of what makes a great conversation with our kids? Yes, definitely. So I really introduced rich talk as kind of a framework that you can use with any child. So really starting from infancy all the way up through young adults and just can really inform all the ways you talk to your child to have more meaningful conversations. And really, if we think about kind of what is it, I define it as the three ABCs. So the ABCs of rich talk Um, and the three components are A is for adaptive, meaning that you're really going with the flow of your child. So this involves, you know, their mood. If they're feeling talkative, you meet them where they are. It also involves their temperament. You know, maybe they prefer to talk, you know, when they're calm at night. Maybe they prefer to talk right in the morning when they have lots of energy. So you really start to attend to all of those components of them. 
Uh, B is for the back and forth. So we oftentimes talk about talking to kids or talking at kids, but we don't always think about talking with kids. So a lot of the research actually shows that it's the conversational turns that you and your child have, not the amount of talk you're doing that actually is so key in building their skills. Mm -hmm. So meaning that it's the opportunities that your child has to talk and that your child has to listen. So not just kind of one or the other. And then C being child-driven. So thinking about actually starting from what your child is most interested in or worried about, concerned about in that moment. So I oftentimes see kind of Instagram posts of, you know, say this to your child or try this with your child. And I think those can all be helpful. But what's most important is to really sit with your child in that particular moment, kind of attending to that unique moment with your unique child and being responsive there. Mm, yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense too. I love the ABCs. And I think it, it does make a lot of sense that we want it to be child-driven, but I think it it's also so easy to go, okay, I want to have these good conversations with our kids. So I need to have like all of these prompts for how I'm going to have the best conversations with my kids. And we ask my kid all this, but they might may not be interested in talking about exactly. that. And so, yeah, letting them lead makes so much sense going, okay, what are they, like you said, worried about right now? Or what are they interested in right now? I know I've had these really these kind of really fun conversations with my eight-year-old recently because we've kind of gotten into Harry Potter as a family. She's old enough now to read the books herself. And we started reading the first one on audiobook together. We went on a long road trip. And so it was a great, great thing to introduce. And so she's totally like gotten into the world of Harry Potter and she finds it so interesting. So I've read um, most of the books, actually. I still have to read the last one, but that's I promised her I'd wait for her. Um, and so we will like talk about the different characters and then she'll talk about things like she's so interested in it. And she'll just bring it up. It'll be after school and she'll be having a snack and she'll be like, what kind of wand do you think I would have? And we would just, you know, we'll just have a conversation about it. That's and you know, it's not, this is obviously about fictional characters in a fictional right, world, right. but it's still something she's interested in. And we we've had, you know, we've had conversations and pretty sure. deep conversations about like, what if this were like this? This had happened. What if this and like, and I don't know, it's, it seems sort of silly, but I've had some really great conversations with her over that. And it's just a lot of fun. And that's what she's interested in right now. I'll ask her about school and if she's learning anything new and she'll be like, yeah, basically. <laughs> and I'm like, so what did you enjoy about school today? She's like, well, I did pretty good on my math. And then like we had recess. <laughs> yes. I have that exact same conversation. <laughs> yes. so that's basically it. And I'm like, okay. Well, I mean, I asked. And so it, feels like, it almost feels like checking a box where it's like, well, I asked her about her day. I like kind of opened it up if she did want to talk about something, but she oftentimes doesn't. And I think it might just be also the time of the year. It is March when we were recording this. I feel some of that spring fever. It might just be that she's like, all right, we're already three quarters of the way through the year and there's not much. We're just learning the basics, um, you know, the things that we need to. So maybe, maybe next year she'll have something a little bit more interesting, but maybe not. Maybe right now it's just lots of conversation on Harry Potter exactly. that relates to the real world. Yeah. Um, but I love that, you know, kind of having that led by them um, and that back and forth. I found that really fascinating that it is those those conversational turns that that back and forth conversation with the kids that is with our kids, which is really powerful um, because I think it it is as someone who who does love love to have conversations with people. It can be really easy to bring in and I do this on the podcast all the time and I'm always trying to make sure that I bring in, you know, 
personal anecdotes where it makes sense, but not take over the conversation because I'm, I'm here to hear from you, to hear from my guests. And I, the listeners want to hear from my guests as well. And I feel like in conversations with our kids, it's easy to go, well, I know this thing, or I want to share this thing with you and maybe not necessarily give them the space that they might need for that back and forth. Or maybe they feel like, okay, the conversation is over because mom had her thing to say or dad, whoever it might be. <laughs> and then it's over. And so I, I, that was encouraging too to just sort of leave that kind of space open for those back and forth and let them continue to ask questions or to share more anecdotes or whatever it, whatever it <laughs> might be in our conversation. So Definitely. Yeah. And I think that's especially true with sort of these big topics. So things like, you know, war or death or, you know, big things like that, where oftentimes parents feel like, well, I have to have this perfect prepared speech, or I have to, you know, know, what do I say to my child? And oftentimes really doing that back and forth lets you answer your child's questions or fears so much more effectively than it does if you come in and say, well, here's all the things I want to tell you. Uh, you know, so I, I recently heard a child say like, Oh, I thought wars were only hundreds of years ago, for example, mm, you know, and then yeah. I was like saying, Oh, well, actually, you know, that's not totally true. Like, let's take a look at what's happening and you know, all of this. So I think yeah. to realize that the back and forth is so key is, yeah, is really important. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. Cause we, we don't know what our kids don't know, um, you know, until, <laughs> until they say it and until we have that conversation and they ask those why or they ask that what and they they're really you know we're, we're able to kind of go back and forth on that um so I love simple strategies and so you talk about the ABCs and you also talk about the three E's of rich talk in your book and so that you kind of describe this as like the foundation of rich talk so can you describe that a little bit more and how we can build that foundation of rich talk as we are having these conversations with our kids as we are trying to work on those ABCs of rich talk and that back and forth and that child-led conversation? Definitely. Yes. And so part of what my book is designed to do is to really make this idea of rich talk practical and actionable. So actually to say, well, a lot of books say, well, you know, be present with your child, show up with your child, you know, but parents are sort of left saying, well, what does that mean? What does that actually look like? And so the three E's are really kind of how do you put rich talk in action? And I think in ways that actually you can infuse in your daily lives. So they are, um, number one is E for expand. So just meaning that taking whatever your child is saying or is talking about and seeing what you can do to expand on it, uh, to make the idea bigger, to see more of what they're saying. So that might mean something as simple as well, can you tell me more about that? Or in the case of a young child, you know, they say big truck and you say, oh, that is a big truck. You know, I wonder, you know, if we can make it fall off the table, you know, you expand on what they're already telling you and kind of make it bigger. Um, the second E is explore. So this is really important in that so much of the research shows that it's going beyond the here and now that really helps to stretch kids. So you don't just focus on what's on the table or, you know, what you're eating or what you're wearing, but you think about the past and the future. You help children tell the narratives of their past. So you might actually explore things like, well, what was it like to go to the doctor? You know, did you cry? How were you feeling? You know, were you brave? What did it feel like to get the shot? You know, that kind of thing. So you're actually going beyond what you see in here and really thinking about helping children shape their narratives of themselves. And the final one is to evaluate. So this isn't really a judging evaluate, but to really help kids be self-critical and self-aware in thinking about 
well, how am I progressing in my goals? Or, you know, what do I want to develop in terms of my own skills? And in this way, I'm encouraging parents to kind of pass the judgment baton over to kids. So rather than to say, well, we're going to tell you if your drawing is good or if your goals are good, really helping kids set those goals themselves. And I talk a lot about how to do this in the book in different areas, but I think that's really the foundation of um, getting children to engage in rich talk and to helping parents do so in ways that are, you know, relatively simple. Mm, oh my gosh. I think it is so simple. And I have so many ideas just like swirling through my head. As soon as I read those, I was like, okay, how can we expand on just the everyday conversations that we have or, and how can we explore this more? That's something that I naturally like to do. I think I'm just naturally a curious person. So we will, I will try and help them explore, but I love that, you know, you have, you view it as expanding their narrative. And so talking about the past, talking about the future, for me, I think the exploration goes more kind of research-based. I think I'm not, I'm natural researcher. So it'll be like, you know, I'm trying to think of a a good example, but they'll be interested in this one thing and like, well, let's learn more about this. And sometimes they're into it. Sometimes they're not, but exploring comes a little bit more natural, but I love that, you know, expand, explore, evaluate. It makes it seem simple, but it does, it gives us those. And there's literally chapters and chapters in the book and how we can really, you know, take this and practically, make our conversations, you know, more, make our conversations richer, make them, you know, make them deeper by, by using these. But I, it just, it does give me that foundation, like you say of, okay, this is, these are little simple ways that we can kind of create more of those deep conversations rather than it just being like, this is the conversation and it's over. And what I found interesting too, is it's really only been maybe a week or so that I've been trying to consciously bring more of these conversations in. Um, and my kids are sometimes receptive and sometimes it's totally not receptive, which is interesting <laughs> too. Cause it's like, you know, especially at the, I find at the end of the week with my eight-year-old, it's the end of a long week at school. She like, has no interest in talking. And then Mm -hmm. Saturday morning, I'm sitting at my computer trying to do, usually I do like a little bit of light work at my computer and she'll come up and she'll be like, so I have all these things. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This is not okay. All right. Let's let's go. (laughs) Exactly. I see that all the time. But you know, that I'm working on or anything like that. I would never, you know, I wouldn't try to work on anything super serious with my kids there because it just doesn't happen (laughs) like that. It is very funny that sometimes they're just not. And, you know, we try to try to expand, try to explore. And they're like, no. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's what's so important too, is to recognize that this doesn't and shouldn't be sort of a recipe for all day, all the time, yeah. you know, saying, how can you make the pockets of time that are the right ones for you and your family? So yes, for if it's the end of a long day or it's the end after hockey practice or whatever, and your child is totally brain dead, you know, you are not going to try to do this or, you know, <laughs> if it feels like pulling teeth, you should just pull back, right? It's not to say like, oh, keep going, keep forcing it. It shouldn't be forced. And the idea is to help things feel natural and fun. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. And it does feel natural and fun having those conversations when they aren't forced. And so, and we have, you know, had those really interesting conversations, whether it's Harry Potter with my eight-year-old or my four-year-old has been really into alpacas. And so we've gotten, we've had lots of conversations about (laughs) alpacas. (laughs) 
don't know why. I mean, they're very cute. Yeah, that's what she's into right now. And so, and she'll bring them up every so often. Mommy, I want an alpaca farm. I know you want an alpaca farm. Oh, well, wow. we get one right now. Um, yeah. well, a little unrealistic, but okay. Yeah. Work towards in the future. You know, maybe you can have yes. an alpaca farm. <laughs> well, we've so done, funny. you know, when she's brought it up, we've, I mean, this is such, these are such silly examples of conversations, but they are like ways that she's learning and we're unlearning more about her and we're having these conversations. She was like, she asked me that she's four and she was like, well, can we go to an alpaca farm? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe we yeah. can go to an alpaca farm. So I looked up one and there's one like an hour away. I was like, we could oh, wow. be a family field trip. I'm like, this is something I wouldn't even thought <laughs> And these aren't deep conversations on, you know, war or death or any of these big topics, which we have those conversations too. We had uh, a really, a, a really interesting conversation about a week and a half ago as a family um, because there was a situation that happened in our town and I live in a pretty sleepy New England town. Not a lot happens here. And there was a police situation down the street. Thankfully, everyone ended up safe, but there was like a, like a lockdown situation. Wow. And so we like had a discussion about like what would happen in this. And we let the kid in this sort of situation and we let the kids ask questions about that. And we talked about staying safe and we talked about why, you know, why we would want to, she was at school at the time, but you know why we would want to stay home if this happened. And that was, you know, that was not a conversation about Harry Potter or alpacas, um, but it was. And I think it was interesting because she had questions that I don't think we would have like covered otherwise and just mm -hmm. letting her ask questions on this type of, you know, on this type of situation um, was, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to expand on it too much, but um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I think I wasn't even necessarily thinking, okay, we're going to expand, we're going to explore, mm -hmm. <laughs> but right, right. I, it was more just going, do you have any questions on this? And she was like, yeah, actually I do. And my four-year-old just sort of like listened along. She, I think she just had a couple yes. little questions, different levels yeah. for different mm -hmm. ages. Right, right. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what's so cool. And I think the fact that you probably started, you know, you're talking about the alpacas, you kind of have this framework and that then you can kind of use it more maybe intuitively in this other conversation. Yeah. And I think that's, what's so cool is that it can become something where you're not thinking like, let me do these three things, but it just kind of is part of what happens in your family. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, that is why I find, I find this framework that you have so helpful because it is, it, like I said, I've been, I've said this a couple of times, but it is simple and it is something I feel like I can turn back to and go, okay, I feel like our conversations have been just sort of like, you know, day-to-day -day just functional conversations. Maybe we should, you know, maybe we should explore having some deeper conversations and connecting a little bit more, especially when the kids are gone at school a lot and, and things like that. So, so you have, um, um, let me see, I wrote it down too. Is it seven different chapters? So you have seven different chapters on seven <laughs> different topics of conversation. Um, everything from conversations on learning empathy, confidence, independence, building relationships, play, openness, and temperament, which are all like incredibly interesting conversations. And it really made me think, oh my gosh, like, have we had conversations on this topic or this topic or, or which ones have we had more conversations on, which have we had less? So why these specific conversations and how do we ensure we're having like the right conversations with our kids? Yeah. So first I really developed these kind of over the years, um, wearing kind of three hats. So being the mom of two kids, but also a speech pathologist or so a clinician and a lecturer. And so what I've done is I've kind of drawn together 
what areas do we have that are research-based? So we actually have strategies that can help kids' skills and that are actually doable. So those were the criteria I used to try to decide on these chapters. So things that are important for kids in terms of their thriving and things that we can actually shift based on language. So, and those were you know, how I came up with things like confidence, with empathy, learning and creativity. And I really talked with other parents as well to think about, well, what are the areas that are most important for you as well? So I didn't want to do things that were just, you know, oh, that's nice, but I don't really care. You know, things that were kind of key in children's development and that we really care about. Um, and what I really tried to do in the book as well, and I think um, you're able to do with the book, is you can read the whole thing through, but you can also read chapter by chapter. So if you're really interested, for example, in empathy, there's a chapter on developing empathy for kids that has kind of, you know, why to do it, how to do it. And then these takeaways um, at every chapter. So you can say, okay, I'm going to try these and then I'll set the book down and I'll, you know, take it back up when I have more time or when I'm interested in another topic. Um, and so I think to really emphasize that there is no really one right conversation or one right set of conversations. It really is so individualized and unique to kind of what your family needs, to what your kids need. Um, you know, some kids do have a lot of trouble empathizing with others. I've seen, in contrast, some kids who kind of over empathize with others and they get so sad, for example, if their friend is sad, that then they can't really function. So that's something else to work on. Um, so it's really thinking about in your family, kind of what are these strengths? What are kind of the pain points or the areas that are really challenging and going from there? Mm. Yeah. One of my, one of my favorite things about each one of the chapters is you have very specific examples of ways that we can expand kind of a conversation that we might already be having, or how can we make this a conversation where it's a, it's a little bit more expansive. We can get a little bit deeper in this conversation and some like specific specific suggestions on how we can change our our language to make that conversation a little bit deeper um, and explore that a little bit more, which I really appreciate because I am the type of person who likes that. Okay, if I'm talking about it like this, this is a different way that I can kind of talk about that. And I love that there are these these different areas in the book that are really important conversations that might feel hard for us as parents to approach. Like, I, I don't know if I would know how to approach the conversation on empathy, um, especially not if my, my kiddos seem to be, I mean, they're generally empathetic, but they don't seem to be overly empathetic. But, you know, there are different, different, definitely situations, especially with the two sisters <laughs> where it's like, maybe we could have this conversation, <laughs> yes. on, you know, how we can, we can sure. have more empathy for our yes. sister, you know, things like that. Right. And so how to approach that, I find that really, really helpful. And so I'm really glad that you went into these different areas. And I, I love a book that I can refer back to and go, okay, I really need some advice on yeah, this, you know, on this different, you know, this different area. And we can go back and we can, you know, can, I can actually use those guidelines that you give on those different topics. So I'm wondering if maybe you'll share with us some examples of how to kind of use this, how to kind of put this in action. So maybe some and I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot with this one. So I'm just kind of curious. So how you maybe how you do it in the book, how we have a, a conversation that we might naturally have with our kids and how we can kind of expand that using using the three E's of rich talk and take it from a conversation that might be just a little shorter, a little bit more. I use the word functional, but kind of like a functional conversation and make it a little bit deeper. 
Sure. Yeah, of course. So it can start from anything that happens in your daily life. So that's kind of what I'd like to especially emphasize is that it doesn't have to be waiting for the right moment or waiting for, you know, the time we can have a conversation about mummies or about, you know, whatever. It can be really simple. So just to take a specific example, say your child is just asking, you know, is it going to rain today? And you look out the window and say, yes or no, or let me look at my phone. You know, that's just a incredibly functional conversation. It's perfectly fine to say that, but you know, you can do something more with that if you have the time. And if your child is in the mood, you know, you can ask them, for example, well, let's look outside. What does it look like to you? You know, or do you notice the clouds? How far away are they? You know, what do you think that tells you? Do you think, you know, it's going to rain soon or maybe the clouds will pass over us? Um, If you're out looking at the clouds, you know, things like, well, what do the clouds look like to you? Can we think about shapes we see in the clouds or, I feel like you could even say, you know, I feel like there are different types of clouds. I used to know about those. I mean, do you know about any different types of clouds, you know, and have them explore that. Um, and even think about, well, evaluating afterwards, you know, if it you have this conversation and then saying, well, were we right? Did it really rain? Do you think we should make a different prediction next time? Or, you know, oh, I, I was sure it was not going to rain and I forgot my raincoat. And now I really need to think about that. Maybe next time I should you know, check the weather app as well as looking at the clouds, you know, so you do all of these things. And that's just a really simple example, but it's sort of taking a question that's just a purely functional question and using it as a chance to explore. Mm, Oh, I really like that as an example. And I'm like, we can definitely, that is a conversation we have all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It changes every single day. I'm, I'm, it might be snowing right now. And yeah, yesterday it was sunny and we took a little trip to the farm and uh, not alpacas, but we took a, little, <laughs> <laughs> took a little trip to the farm. It was a beautiful day, a little cold, but nope, now it's snowing. So we definitely talk about the weather a lot. <laughs> I know. Same. same yeah. yes. So, oh my gosh, I, I love all of these. This is so, so helpful. I know that, you know, Everything that you've shared today gives the listeners a foundation for how they can start having more of these rich conversations with the kids, with the ABCs and the three E's of Rich Talk, how they can start to expand those conversations, go deeper with their kids. Is there anything that you think maybe we missed or any message that you want to give to the mom who's listening, who wants to have these deeper conversations with her kids and or and maybe she feels I'm trying to think of, you know, I know that sometimes I feel a little bit of that kind of mom guilt come up feeling like, okay, I haven't, I don't feel like we've gone very deep in our conversations for like several sure. months. It's been yes. I mean, maybe two years, maybe two years. Last yes. couple of years have been a little bit crazy. We've been, a lot of us have been in survival mode. Sure. Um, I guess maybe advice or encouragement on maybe where to, where to start with all this for the mom who's listening. Definitely. Yeah. So I think just as a word of encouragement, so I write, I wrote the book actually with that same impulse. So I realized even as a speech pathologist, somebody who focuses on language, I was realizing that I wasn't having very deep conversations with my own children. So if you feel like you're in that boat, I definitely have been there and I definitely understand. And I sometimes continue to be there. So it's not, it's an evolving process. Um, And one thing I'd really like to emphasize is you can really start small. So anytime, there's no time that's too late. You know, if your child is four, if your child is 14, you know, it doesn't matter. And that really you just try to take 
one chance a day, even if you say, well, let's try this out one time, see how it goes. And that these small moments really do accumulate. So it's not about saying, well, let me overhaul the way I dock. It's about realizing that we all already have these strong moments. We are ready, even if you don't realize it. You know, there are ways in which you're really bonding and really relating to your child. So it's really about starting to notice what's going well and then trying these strategies out just once or twice a day, seeing if there are things that take off, seeing if there are things you can tailor to your family. And then really just sort of celebrating what's going right in your family and communication, because there probably is a lot already. Mm, yeah. Oh, I love that. This is this has been so helpful for me. And I can't wait to, to use these tips. And I love the recommendation of just start small, just one conversation a day. And like we talked about before, sometimes the kids are going to be receptive. Sometimes they're going to exactly. be not. And one of the, the things that you mentioned earlier that I found really helpful is that our kids might be more receptive at different times, you know, than other times. And, you know, so I want to kind of explore that a little bit with my kids and go, okay, when, when do they seem more open to conversations and when might they not? I know that my older daughter sometimes will, we don't go on a ton of long car rides, but she will, if she has to come with me on a trip to the grocery store or something like that, she loves having conversations in the mm-hmm. car. And my mom will actually say that to me too, um, because my my mom lives pretty close by and she's watched the kids, you know, usually about once a week for pretty much their entire lives. Wow. And I know even since my older daughter, <laughs> she jokes with me that um, her mom said growing up that you always get one like you. And she says that my daughter is the one like me because she's <laughs> and she's <laughs> always said that like, even since she was really young, like probably at my younger daughter's age, my older daughter is it's much more talkative by nature than, than my younger daughter, um, that the car is a place that she just loves to talk. And so she would pick her up to go watch her for a day, even before my younger daughter was born. And she would just talk the whole car ride. And, and my daughter will too. And I don't know what it is about being in the car. She Mm -hmm. loves to have conversations where my younger daughter likes to listen to music. So we'll Mm -hmm. usually put music on, but my Mm -hmm. older daughter likes to have those conversations. So I found that helpful too, going, okay, well, we're not always in the car going on car rides. (laughs) When are other times where she might be more open to have these conversations and then we can kind of use that to be, okay, maybe this is the, the time of day where we start working on developing more of that rich talk with our kids. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. so key. And I think to, to not beat yourself up if your child isn't receptive, I think sometimes it does have so much to do with their activity level or what's happened during their day, you know, and to say, well, let's always, we can always try again. So if it feels mm-hmm. forced just to say, well, let's just pull back now, we can you know do the functional conversation or just be quiet and then try again. I think that's always a really important thing to remember. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So I have some fun little rapid fire questions that I love to ask my guests at the very end, just to get to know you a little bit more. Um, But before I do that, I would love to have you just share where my listeners can connect with you more, where they can get a copy of your book. Sure. Yes, definitely. So my book, The Art of Talking with Children is available wherever books are sold. You can also find me on my website. So it's RebeccaRoland.com with two C's and two L's. And I love hearing from readers. So if you have questions, if you have examples, if you want to argue with me, you know, I'd love to hear anything you have to say um, is open on my email. You can also find me on Twitter, which is just Roland underscore RG or on Instagram, which is Rebecca.G.Roland. 
Awesome. Perfect. I I am so sure that my listeners are going to go grab a copy of your book because mm-hmm. it is so great, so practical. I love that you bring in like stories from your own family too. And, and like we said, those like really practical, this is how you can transform that conversation just little, little by little. And then I know that it's, it, for me, sparked a lot more thoughts on, okay, well, these are different ways that I can expand other conversations, which I know is your intention. And you did a good job. Yes, 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 definitely. (laughs) I'm so glad. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, yeah, you are so welcome. Um, Honestly, one of my favorite parts of being a podcaster is being able to read so many fabulous books from so many fantastic authors and learn things and be able to apply them to my own life. And then even better, being able to pass them on to to other moms. So I'm I'm very grateful for the work you do. (laughs) Great. Thank you. So let's finish the podcast with what I like to call some dessert right at the end, otherwise known as rapid fire questions. (laughs) Perfect. So so do you prefer coffee or tea? Tea. I drink green tea all day. (laughs) I love green tea. (laughs) Podcast or book? I would say mm, that's a really hard one. Probably audiobook, I would say. It's what I listen Mm. most to. Um, But I do like the podcast. It's close second. Yes. I'm an audiobook listener too. I was very resistant for a long time. And then I realized that every time I'm in the car, I can be reading a book, which is fantastic. Exactly. So yeah, I also so nice. obviously yeah. love podcasts, but I love mm-hmm. audiobooks too. So I'm probably 50-50 audiobook and uh, mm-hmm. book that I can hold in my hand. <laughs> what did you eat for breakfast this morning? I had oatmeal and dragon fruit. So we had some oh. fresh dragon fruit from the grocery store that I found. <laughs> nice. I love that. Oatmeal is a very popular answer. Oatmeal is so oh. good. <laughs> sure. In the winter. We talk a lot about food on the podcast. So what is your first choice if you're going to order takeout? Probably Thai food or Indian food. Mm, I like somewhat spicy, not, not too spicy, but middle spicy is good. <laughs> nice. Those are two of my favorites too. <laughs> are you an early bird or a night owl? I am a hundred percent night owl. I basically get my best ideas after 10 PM, which is hard when you have a early rising child. (laughs) So I have to work around that. Oh, I can imagine that. That is my husband as well. And, um, we, I actually had a sleep expert on the podcast, um, at the beginning of the year and it was a very fun conversation talking about how I'm an early bird. I am early morning. That's when I get my best work done. And my husband's late at night. And, uh, we have a kiddo who wakes up at the crack of dawn, no matter what we do. (laughs) (laughs) Totally understand that. (laughs) Yes. I've had to curb some of my early or my late night tendencies because it just won't work. That is being a mom for you, right? Sometimes we just have to adapt. (laughs) (laughs) So last but not least, because this is the Healthy Balance Mama podcast, we like to talk about balance in every area. What does balance mean to you in this season? So for me, it really means taking care of both of body and mind, I would say. So that really means, especially these days, making sure I get time for fresh air, get time in nature and time to do sort of stretch and stretching and relaxation. So not just kind of a standard yoga class, but just throughout the day, making sure that I actually get up and move around a little bit. Mm, I love that. That's a good reminder that I need to do that too. I have three podcast <laughs> interviews today, so I got to walk around. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Five minute break. So always good. Yes. Yeah, they really are. And they really do make a big difference. So I love that. I love that balancing body and mind. Rebecca, this was so fantastic. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to chat with me, to share with my listeners. And like I said, all the incredible work you do. Uh, Your book is so practical and so fantastic. And I know it's going to help so many of my listeners. 
Oh, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to Marriage Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama Podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.